Hi, and welcome to the Sales Enablement Pro Podcast. I am Shauna Simawong. Sales enablement is a constantly evolving space, and we are here to help professionals stay up to date on the latest trends and best practices so they can be more effective in their jobs. Thank you so much for joining us today. I would love for you to take a moment and just introduce yourself, your title, and your organization. My name is Teague Herman, and I lead product marketing and sales effectiveness at Deluxe Corporation. And my name is Megan Friedrich, and I work on our sales effectiveness team um, at Deluxe Corporation. So I'd love to talk to you guys and better understand how long you guys have had sales enablement within your organization. Yeah, we've really been focused on sales enablement for about five years. Uh, we've had different uh, permutations of, of sales enablement for, for many years prior to that. Um, but I think along with the rest of the industry, we've really been on this transition from what I heard one person in the industry refer to as random acts of enablement to a strategic uh, asset to the organization. Um, we talk about being sales enablement with a capital E, uh, really moving beyond being the help desk for a sales organization um, and, and focusing more on enabling the sale of our products. So it's been about a five-year journey with that, and, and we're, we feel like we're making a lot of progress. And could you tell me a little bit about the key roles and responsibilities that you have on your current team? Yeah, before we developed org charts and specific roles, um, we wanted to start with our end in mind. We always try to do that. We coach our sales team to start with the end in mind as they engage with a client or prospect. And so we want to live by that as well as, as we built up an organization. So to do that, we wanted to identify the areas of expertise that we felt were important to the sales enablement group. Um, and, and to get there, we, we built out a charter. And we think that's really important to always have a charter in, in developing a team, whether that's sales enablement or, or otherwise. And in that charter, we identified several areas um, that were really important to us. We talked about tool development and sales process and communications strategy, technology, several others. So we were able to construct roles that addressed each of those um, and divided out responsibilities. So those are the kind of primary areas that we focus on when we think about um, sales effectiveness and sales enablement. Yeah, and if, if I could just jump in there too, um, you know, I think when we talk about roles, we really have focused on what are the unique um, attributes of a successful sales enablement person in those roles. This is really, you know, like Teague mentioned, it's, it's a newer role in the, in the industry. And there's some specific things we really focus on on our team of who we bring to the team. And, um, you know, as we look to expand and grow, um, these people, you know, that are on our team, we really rely on them to build credibility. They need to be able to build credibility with, you know, people up to the VP and C level internally in our organization. Um, it can be really hard if you're unknown. So Teague and I both have, you know, this luxury of having past credibility within the organization and having been in product and marketing roles that, that transferred over, but that's crucial. Um, and part of that is because you need to build that um, internal navigation. So you need to know how to navigate with product and sales and marketing partners um, and all their unique cultures. Um, other things you really need to know is you need to understand how salespeople work. You need to know how, what motivates them. Um, you know, both Teague and I have never held quotas. 
So we need to understand, you know, how are salespeople motivated? We need to be adept at what a quota is, you know, how are they incented? Um, and then another really key thing is um, sales enablement people need to understand how to work um, in, you know, in an ambiguous situation. So there's a lot of large problems that we're looking to solve, and we don't necessarily have a specific roadmap or a project plan written out. Um, we need to be able to work through that. We need to be able to be strategic, but also be able to execute on the back end um, and really have that analytical mindset. I love that. I love that you guys are being that thoughtful, both about how your org is structured. Um, and in addition to that, the people that you're bringing onto your, your team. And I think that those are a lot of great criteria uh, for folks that are on a sales enablement team. I would love to understand, Megan, just a little bit more background on you. You've led the implementation and management of your sales enablement uh, technology at Deluxe. I would love to hear from you some of the core types of technology uh, that other sales enablement professionals should consider consider having in their tech stack. Yeah, so I think, you know, it all kind of centralizes around a CRM system. Um, this is typically owned by a sales operations team, sometimes also sales enablement, depending on how your team is structured. Um, you know, in, in our role, we really need to be critically aligned to how the sales teams are using the CRM and ensure that our other tech tools and our tech stack integrate with our CRM and, and they speak to each other. Um, so we're, we're coming across as a centralized um, tool for our sales teams. You know, along with that, I would say a content management platform um, with advanced analytics, um, capabilities that allow you to measure content, understand how your content ties to your sales process, and, and also developing the success criteria around that is really important. Um, some type of technology that allows you to communicate with your field. Sometimes that's within your um, CRM, sometimes that's a standalone system, but something that allows you to effectively communicate with your field, however that works in your organization. Um, collaboration tools are really critical. Um, sometimes these are owned by the enterprise, um, sometimes they're owned by sales enablement, but al allowing you to collaborate internally with your sales teams, but also with product and marketing and your other um, functions in your organization that you work with. Um, we specifically also at Deluxe have a couple other systems that we um, look at. We have um, a value proposition or a business case tool. So that is a specific to our sales tools um, tech stack that we use to, to integrate with our business cases. Um, RFP software is important if you are um, having RFPs come in and if your team owns that process. And then also if you are focused on training or if you are, your organization has training involved, um, a learning management system or some type of uh, learning management module builder um, is important as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm sure as you're well aware, one of the things that we hear from a lot of sales reps is that, you know, the biggest, uh, the biggest inhibitor to getting them to actually use this is, is really adoption because there's, there's often tool fatigue within a lot of organizations. So how have you successfully rolled these out to your teams um, to secure high adoption and, and avoided the whole notion or feeling of tool fatigue among your reps? Yeah. This is really hard. I won't um, say it's easy. Um, we talk a lot about the power of the status quo, both when we're talking about B2B sales or you know any type of sales, but internally as well. Um, salespeople, just like human nature, 
status quo is super powerful. So it's easier to just do what you've always done. Um, especially if you have a tenured sales organization, um, they, if they are used to producing results the way they've done it, they're probably not going to change. So we really focus with starting at the top. Um, we need to start with our leaders. We need to start with our key stakeholders. Um, we think this is critical to develop those strong relationships and partners with your sales leaders, um, because if they're willing to adopt and, and encourage their team, um, that's going to go a long way. We focus a lot on training and training and training again. Um, we focus on customized training um, to that specific sales team's culture. Um, we nuance it to who we're talking to. Um, it's just that constant reinforcement and also making it as easy as possible for them to use. If it's a tool, if it's doing a training, um, don't make it hard for them to get the content, make it easy for them, for that, for them to access. Um, and then lastly, we have a, a really big focus on governance and we think this is where sales enablement can really play a strong role and it's often forgotten. Um, reporting on, on tools, making sure you have the analytics to see what's being successful highlighting where there's areas of opportunity to improve, or maybe there's some teams that are succeeding and some aren't, and then using and developing those use cases internally to um, really promote adoption. Excellent. And on the whole notion of actually getting your reps uh, easy access to content, Teague, as the Director of Product Marketing and Sales Effectiveness, how do you help ensure that marketing holistically is, is partnering with sales enablement to not only ensure that you're producing high quality content that your reps are actually going to be using, but that you're also getting feedback from your reps back into your marketing organization around what they need and how to prioritize their needs. And I think it all starts again with starting with an end in mind. Uh, that's something that, you know, I, I get made fun of in the office for using that phrase so often, um, but I really believe in it. And, as I reflect back on previous roles that I've had, um, I was in product marketing before I was before I was in sales enablement and before I was back in kind of both areas. And I think about tools we would produce at that time, right here from a sales organization. Hey, we're having problems with overcoming this conversion ob objection. Can you put something together that addresses that? Or we need to justify pricing or whatever that particular objection was. So we'd, in response, create tools to support that. And I hope those were, those were effective in some way. But as we've started to understand the sales enablement uh, market better and understand the dynamic B2B buying environment better, we've really worked hard to align every sales tool that we create to a buying stage. We always want to, to work with our, our clients and our prospects to help them succeed. Ultimately, that's, that's what we want to do is help our clients succeed. If they don't succeed, we don't succeed. So getting back to that, starting with the end in mind, if, if our end in mind is to lead with an insight, well then create a, a marketing tool that's aligned to an early sales stage that's about insight. If our end in mind is to position our product or offer against a competitor, align that to a later sales stage. So that's, that's been really important to us is to make sure that we have congruence between how our buyers buy and how we're helping them by adding value throughout that entire buying process. Um, I think the same can be said for, as, as we think about marketing campaigns that, that we develop, uh, we want to make sure every tool that's created within a marketing campaign can also be used as a standalone sales tool. 
So we try to maximize our, our effectiveness that way. And then you talk about feedback. Uh, feedback comes in a lot of different ways. That comes both um, through personal relationships and it comes through technology. So we make sure that we have those, those channels open um, at all times. Megan talked about, you know, working with sales leaders, also working directly with the sales organization. We always want to hear about uh, the tools that we put into the market and if, if they're effective or not. We want to get those um, verbatim or anecdotal stories, but we also want to be able to track usage patterns um, through some of our technology. So we can do that. And I've had that recently where we put something new out and I was able to go in and see, okay, only a, a handful of, of sellers have, have actually accessed this tool. So let's follow back up on it. Did this hit the mark or not? Um, you know, and there's, there's functionality where um, we, inside our sales portal, we can get sellers to give a piece of content a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Very simple, but it, when you start to aggregate those numbers, it tells you a story of whether that, that piece is effective or not. So it's just to, to steal Megan's phrase again, but it's not easy, um, but we try to come at it from a lot of different ways to help us figure out where to double down uh, or where to pull back. I love that. And actually, if you guys don't mind me deviating from the questions a little bit, Megan, can you actually, what's your, what's your background? You're also on the marketing side of the house um, historically. Um, yeah, so I have um, a little bit of a blended background. I started my career in marketing, marketing communications roles. Um, I spent several years actually in a product management and program management role um, at Deluxe before moving over to sales enablement. So I've worked directly with sales um, on both the marketing and the product side, um, and then now in sales effectiveness. Very cool. And I, I just wanted to get that context because I, I love a lot of the things that you guys are, are calling out during this conversation. I think it's the marketer and myself as well. Um, if you guys are comfortable with me deviating just a little bit, one of the things, Teague, that I'd love to drill in on a little bit with you and Megan is maybe just getting your perspective. You, you mentioned this earlier that the B2B buying environment is changing. I would just love for you to elaborate on what that is and the impact it's having on sales reps. Yeah, uh, the, the P2B buying environment is, is changing a lot. That it's simplest form when there are more players involved in a purchasing decision than ever before. Um, so as as that as more players get involved, the likelihood of getting a decision, yes or no, decreases pretty dramatically. And there are all sorts of studies out there that that quantify that that change. Uh, but that really just reinforces what Megan said earlier on the power of the status quo. Um, and so a lot of times Megan and I will, will take calls with different organizations just to see how we're being approached because, you know, we get to sit in the seat of a B2B buyer and you see these, you know, a lot of different approaches. Um, some, you know, get pitched a new technology that seems vaguely interesting or, you know, has a lot of bells and whistles and looks pretty cool, but you can't really connect into, how that's going to impact your organization. Um, can't really connect into what business problem it solves or why you should move off the status quo. So you'll remember, you know, six months down the line having a general, generally favorable or curious, I guess, opinion of that company, but not really remembering what they could do from a from a impacting your your business perspective. You look at other organizations, and this is what we aspire to do as well, that come in and demonstrate that they understand the market you're in, 
demonstrate expertise in that market, demonstrate understanding of us as a buyer, and then help us navigate through problems that we're facing throughout that, that buying uh, journey. Those are the organizations that you want to do business with because you believe they're, they're invested with you in helping you succeed. So that's, it's, uh, we believe that it's less about pushing product than it is solving problems for customers and helping them understand what the market looks like and demonstrating expertise in that market and helping our clients succeed. So that's, um, Megan, I'm sure you have a lot to add there, but that's sort of some of the manifestations of that changing marketplace. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the one thing I would add is, you know, we we focus pretty heavily on what we would call sale, our sales process. And we, we don't mean that in the term of just our, our stages and, you know, our pipeline. It, we're talking about changing how we, we sell. And so much of that aligns to um, the buyer's buying process and we need to be more focused on that than ever before we can't just go out and sell how we've always sold like Tig had said we really need to understand our customer we need to understand where they're at in the buying process and then align our efforts and our sales tools to where our customers are at and um like you said it, it's such a complex environment um when you're dealing with selling b2b especially to larger organizations um you could be dealing with six buyers you could be dealing with 20 buyers um you could be dealing with a year and a half, you know, sales lead cycle. And um, it, it's just really navigating that, um, that cycle and that process um, aligned to what the issues and the problems the buyers are facing versus your solutions. Thanks for listening. For more insights, tips, and expertise from sales enablement leaders, visit salesenablement.pro. If there's something you'd like to share or a topic you want to know more about, let us know. We'd love to hear from you.